the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We're securities and advisory and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated. We're a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning and welcome to Spring in Northeast Ohio. The temperatures are rising. Everything is stirring out there in the backyard. All the birds are back. The red-winged blackbirds and the and the bluebirds and the robins. Of course, the robins spend most of their time fighting over their territory in the backyard. And I never see I never see such courageous gladiators back there. The Canadian geese they're, they're on the pond setting up their nests. And it's a great sight to see everything become alive in the spring. Every critter is moving through the backyard, most of the time under cover of nightfall. You know, they're looking for new homes or a nest to raise their young. And the possums, the skunks, the raccoons, they're all out there moving. What's <laughs> nightfall? A place becomes alive, too. And, and if you're, and my green shoots have finally bloomed. Uh, the daffodils, they're really adding color to the front and backyard. You know, I've been watching these green, green shoots for for the last three weeks now, and nothing has appeared, but they're finally blooming. So, but, when I look around out there, and I say, okay, I'll get to, get to my chores. It's still too wet to work out there. And from what I look at the uh, 
the weather forecast this week, I think we're going to not to start building an arch. <laughs> we're going to get more rain. So, you know, this gives us time to work on our financial planning and, uh, and also our income taxes. That they're due on the 18th. So, if you're uh, uh, dawdling until the last minute, by the last minute is quickly approaching. Uh, this week, global equities markets were mixed in the U.S., the three major stock indices barely moved this week. Uh, in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up. Well, in the uh, European Union, uh, Germany's DAX was up and the stock uh, Europe 600 were also up. Uh, in Asia, uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down, while China's uh, uh, Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's uh, Hang Shen were both up for the week. Uh, this Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed at the Dow Jones closed at 34,818.27, and that was down uh, 0.12% for the week. And the Standard and Poor uh, 500 that closed at uh, 4,545.86, and that was up uh, <laughs> a barely measurable. Uh, 0.06% for the week. Uh, the NASDAQ uh, closed at 14,261.50, and that was up uh, 0.65% for the week. So you might as well say the whole thing was flat this week, but, you know, ones are up, ones down, but they would change very little. And uh, since the beginning of the year, uh, you know, all three indices have been down this year. In other words, right now, uh, as of Friday, the Dow Jones is still down uh, 4.18% from the start of the year. Uh, the standard of 4.500 is down 4.62% year-to-date, and the NASDAQ is down 8.84% year-to-date. So, they were down a lot more than that in mid-March, but uh, things are bright and things are getting better. And aside from the stock market, there's signs of improvement just about everywhere. You know, the COVID is disappearing. Uh, people are getting out to restaurants and, and sporting events and people like that. Let's get outside and do something. People are traveling more. Uh the uh, uptick in the uh, in the travel even surprised the airlines. Uh, families are starting to gather more, you know, for the children's birthday parties and anniversaries and things of this nature, things that were taboo, you know, uh, 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 during the COVID times. People are loosening up. Office workers that have uh, been staying home, they're getting called back to the office. And the job market is tight. Uh, anybody who wants a job can get one. Uh, also, you're seeing uh, consumers are buying, maybe not the big ticket items because they're, they aren't available. Uh, you know, auto sales are down, and prices are up astronomically. That's well, because of the uh, chip shortage, and uh, that'll probably drag on for another year. The companies are making cars, but they're parking them until they get the chips, and. There, there's still delays in getting furniture and large appliances. Uh, it's a supply chain, still a supply chain problem. So 
if you if returning now to the COVID, what you're seeing in the United States is that uh, uh, it's still declining. COVID is still declining. Uh, uh, most states, uh, well, it's not COVID anymore. It's the Omicron. Uh, most states continue to see sustained uh, declines and cases remain at their lowest uh, levels nationally since uh, late July. And the coronavirus hospitalizations, they're also continuing to fall. In the past two weeks, uh, hospitalizations have nationally have decreased uh, uh, close to 40 percent to around uh, 20,000 per day. And uh, we're right now we're getting down nationally. We're getting down uh, the number of deaths is below 1,000 per day, and the uh, uh, really in most cases it's at around 700 per day. In the case of Ohio, uh, the cases of Ohio daily we're seeing about 450 new cases, and that's down 14 percent in the last two weeks. Uh, the number of people hospitalized about uh, uh, 700 people. And that's down 29% in the last two weeks. And the deaths come in about uh, uh, less than 40 uh, per day. And uh, uh, that's come down dramatically, too. So, you know, basically what you're seeing is most of the vulnerable people, you know, have been immunized. They got their three shots or they got the uh, COVID and they survived. And now uh, uh, the government has approved a fourth shot. You know, and the idea that uh, studies have shown that the uh, COVID vaccine, um, you know, its effectivity wears off after a while. There was a study done uh, even before the booster shots were uh, talked about. And the study showed that if you get two shots of the uh, vaccine, why uh, you're 94, 95% immunized, but six months later, that has fallen down to about 65%. So it degrades the time. So uh, they're talking about a fourth shot now, and uh, you can go down to your, I guess you can call your drugstore and uh, whoever gives you your shots and uh, sign up for another shot. Uh, about a month ago, uh, my clients that, uh, you know, had organ transplants, uh, they were getting their uh, doctors were prescribing the fourth shot. So it's it's something that uh, you know it's an issue where the vaccines do lose their potency or their effectivity or whatever you want to call it immunization properties over a period of time and I think it's just an indication we'll have to get our keep getting our shots for a while. Uh, the big unknown in this whole thing is basically all aside from all the good plays, good things is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and uh, Russia really has a standstill now. Uh, you know, I don't know what happened to them, but uh, uh, they're going to have to make some decisions, and those decisions could uh, really foul up things. You know, are they going to stay in the Ukraine, or are they going to get out and, and try to keep the? Uh, they seem to be focusing on the land bridge. Uh, between those two breakaway provinces, uh, uh, you know, to the Crimea, seem to be marching along, trying to march along 
and uh, capture all the land between the Crimea, uh, uh, east to those uh, breakaway provinces. And uh, uh, if that satisfies them and they get out, uh, and that satisfies the uh, uh, Ukrainians, that's fine. But if they try, if Russia tries to stay there, uh, you know, like I said before, you're talking about uh, pushing the uh, number of troops up into the, you know, anywhere from 600,000 to a million. Uh, that's what it's going to take to really uh, conquer that place. And you're talking about huge casualties at that point. So, and we'll probably get involved more strongly then, too. So, if you look, take a look around, and aside from that, the U.S. economy, the U.S. economy is strong. According to U.S. Department of uh, Commerce report on Wednesday, uh, the, the third estimate for the uh, fourth quarter uh, real gross domestic product increased at an annual rate of 6.9%, and the real uh, GDP growth for the entire year of 2020 increased, uh, stayed constant at 5.7%. You know, they, they go over these GDP numbers about three times. Uh, they want to get the first number out after the end of that particular quarter, and then they review it uh, and keep reviewing it until they actually get it right. And it's not a matter of uh, it's a matter of getting all the data together to have a final number. And uh, at that number of 5.7%, that's a big number. For example, the uh, uh, the real gross domestic product number for 2019 was 2.3%. That was before the COVID. And that was a very good year. And then with the COVID in 2020, the GDP growth fell to 3.4%. But if you take a look at that 5.7% number for the uh, 2021, that's the highest number, highest growth rate in 37 years. So you've got an economy here that is strong, and uh, uh, that's basically why your Federal Reserve uh, is confident that they can increase the interest rates and... uh, go through their uh, bond selling operation to get the uh, uh, the yield curve to the point where they want it. So uh, you take a look around, you say, hey, what is the, the, the fourth quarter earnings, fourth quarter earnings results? Uh, we've reviewed those for the last, uh, you know, for the last month. And uh, basically, we've got all the data in. in and uh, 75% of the companies were beating their uh, uh, earnings uh, expectations. Uh, and uh, according to a J.P. Morgan report for the fourth quarter earnings, it showed that year-over-year earnings per share uh, showed a growth of uh, 48% over the, pre- over the quarter a year ago, the fourth quarter of 2020, which was a bad year, 2020. Uh, but the quarter from comparison between the fourth quarter and the third quarter uh, showed that the earnings per share uh, grew by 8.9%. So the same report showed that basically that the managers of the standard and four or 500 companies were very effective in 
protecting their earnings, principally because they're passing just about all of the uh, extra costs, be it labor or be it uh, uh, raw materials or anything. They're, they're passing it on to the next guy, and it falls down to our shoulders as a consumer sooner or later. And, of course, we're facing uh, the latest numbers we're facing are uh, from, I think, February, and those are uh, the consumer price index increased to 7.9%. And that's why uh, the Federal Reserve instituted their, hey, we're going to stop the bond buying operation. Uh, that's step one. That's a break on the uh, economy because $120 billion a month was flowing into the economy. And then we're also going to raise the interest rates 2% uh, this year, and then supposedly another 1%. But there's a lot of other people that feel it'll probably be 2% next year. And uh, uh, so, and then they're also going to uh, uh, begin to sell uh, part of their bond uh, portfolio. In other words, since 2008, the Federal Reserve has accumulated close to $9 trillion in uh, bonds from the U.S. Treasury and also from uh, the mortgage-backed securities from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And uh, so what you're seeing is they're going to start selling some of those. And uh, we'll hear about that at their next uh, uh, Federal Reserve meeting in the early part of uh, May. And they'll tell us uh, how much they're going to sell per month and when that selling is going to start. And as I mentioned before, the the uh, rumors and the, the bonds are that uh, it's going to be between 100 and uh, 200 billion dollars a month in bond selling, and uh, it'll probably start in June or July. So, uh, what you're seeing is that you've got a uh, a strong economy, you've got strong earnings. Uh, You've got a, uh, um, before we talked about home construction, and basically the starts in home construction are, uh, for January were up 6.8%. So uh, there's no problem there other than the usual problems in home construction, and that is a uh, shortage of labor, shortage of improvement, improved lots, and uh, uh, getting the materials necessary to complete the homes. In other words, they've got homes that uh, <clears throat> they can't be sold yet because they don't have fixtures and things of that nature that are back-ordered. And this week, there was more good economic news. The U.S. Uh, uh, job growth in March, uh, uh, you know, came in at 431,000 uh, new jobs, and the uh, employment numbers for job uh, increased for January and February, they were uh, increased by approximately 95,000 uh, for those two months, according to the Labor Department. So uh, what you're seeing is that the uh, last year, jobs were on average uh, increasing at 500 and something, 555,000 per month. And I think this quarter, uh, uh, the quarter is just passed, uh, first quarter of this year, they're increasing at about uh, five, 
560000 per month. So um, the jobs are out there, and we'll talk about the details of that uh, uh, later, but uh, uh, you're also seeing that unemployment, unemployment, uh, uh, the employment rate fell to 33, fell to 3.6% uh, in March, and uh, uh, you're just one, you're one-tenth of one percent above the 3.5% that the economy was rolling at just before the COVID. So uh, that that 3.5% is also a historic number. If we get there, we should get there in another month or two. Uh, if we get there, that number is the, the lowest in, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 years. So uh, we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about the details later in the show. The uh, Department of Labor also published their monthly job openings and labor turnover survey for February. And uh, that shows that uh, the number of positions posted on the last, last day in February is something like 11,266,000 jobs. So uh, that's almost a record number of jobs that are being posted. So uh, basically what you're seeing, the number of openings or positions available is approximately 4.8 million more than the unemployed. The unemployed is uh, you know, there's six, 6.5 million unemployed for different reasons. And so there's basically almost two jobs for every uh, uh, unemployed person. So, hey, there, there's always skills mismatches and things of this nature. And uh, what you're seeing is that more people are going back to work. Uh, this week, uh, the, the uh, U.S. Department of their uh, Commerce uh, published their personal income and outlays report for February, and that basically showed that uh, personal income increased by $101 billion dollars in uh, uh, February, and that was up uh, one half of one percent. Consumer spending uh, only increased uh, basically thirty-four point nine billion, or uh, two tenths of one percent. But the mix of spending has changed. In other words, basically, when we were in the COVID situation, uh, most of the spending was on goods because nobody wanted to go to restaurants and travel and things of this nature. Now, uh, the spending on goods decreased about 1%, uh, decreased about close to $59 billion. And the spending on services like restaurants and travel and vacations, that increased 90, not close to $94 billion or nine-tenths of a percent. So the mix uh, is uh, changing. And uh, also, the uh, another inflation uh, number suddenly appeared, and this is the personal consumption expenditure. The personal consumption expenditure is similar to the consumer price index. We hear more about the consumer price index, but the Federal Reserve, uh, what they key in on is the personal consumption expenditure, particularly the one without food and fuel. And what you're seeing is that uh, in uh, uh, February, 
the uh, personal consumption expenditure increased 6.4% over the last 12 months ending in February, and the core uh, personal consumption expenditure uh, increased 5.4% over the last 12 months. So that's another issue for the Federal Reserve. But to me, uh, what the, I think the Federal Reserve looks at it and says, well, uh, we've instituted a plan that we're going to slow this economy down, and this slowing the economy down is going to uh, reduce the inflation, and it's also going to uh, allow a better balance between supply and demand without hurting the economy. Like I said before, this economy is super strong, uh, and uh, uh, the Federal Reserve says that they're going to slow it down to a uh, growth rate of uh, 2.8%. There's other commentators and other economists that think they'll have a hard time getting this growth rate of this economy down below 4%. So uh, it's a strong economy, and you also take a look at manufacturing, and manufacturing uh, is uh, uh, expanding. Uh, the March numbers from the Standard & Poor Global Purchasing Managers Index, and uh, uh, that signaled a sharp improvement in operating conditions across the U.S. manufacturing uh, in the sector. Uh, what they commented on the faster, the fastest increase in new orders and output, and as demand increased from both domestic and uh, Foreign clients. So, uh, to me, the, the, the stock market this week had a kind of a black week, uh, but the economy is strong. Uh, the job market is strong. Uh, people are moving around. People are getting out and about. It's becoming more normal uh, each day. So, uh, how does that's the big picture? And the big picture looks good. Uh, basically, what you're seeing there is that uh, later in, later this year, uh, we're going to see lower inflation. You know, due to the federal what the Federal Reserve is doing, we'll see it in uh, better supply lines. They're going to get better. Uh, society's going to get back to normal, and uh, we'll get back to a decent growth of the economy. So. Uh, the economy will slow down. We get a little bit of inflation, but by the end, of, by the middle of this uh, year, uh, we should be on the uh, point where we're going to inflation down and we're moving forward. So that's the big picture. What does your picture in terms of your financial planning look like? In other words, uh, how do you? Um, you're coming out of this crisis of the COVID. And it's a disruption to the economy. And now you're getting started in a new segment. Uh, uh, do you have your plan where you're going to take a look at your income and allow it, allow it to uh, the, your goals? Uh, you, know, you know your goals. You know how far in the future they're going to appear. And uh, what you have to do is allot the monies. Uh, from your income now in order to uh, be able to invest it and grow it to the point where uh, when your goal, when your 
time is when it reaches the time to achieve your goal, the money is there too, i.e. Uh, retirement. Are you going to have a nest egg of retirement to be able to um, complement your Social Security or your uh, uh, pension plans or your pensions from the job? Uh, so these are all new homes, uh, uh, investments, things of this nature. These are all the type of things that you, you have to sit down and think about and formulate and lay out a plan so that you know where you're going over the next 30 years. That's not to say that the plan is not going to be revised. Third uh, circumstances change, but it's a lot easier to revise the plan rather than have no plan at all, other than something in the, in the top of your head. And uh, so think about it. And that's that's one one of the things that we do for our clients is uh, uh, help them develop their goals, help them develop their plans, help them uh, stay with their plan and make the decisions along the way. So uh, you give us a call. Uh, the phone okay. number here at the station is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight eight eight. Two eight one eleven ten. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets... With the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. We have a toll-free number. It's one 888 You know, and I mentioned the, uh, uh, one of the things that propels the U.S. economy forward is the consumer spending. And the consumer spending pattern is changing now that people are uh, getting out, getting to restaurants more, getting to uh, travel more, and uh, giving up emphasis on buying goods. I mean, why buy? Why, well, I've got people that ask about, well, how should I buy a car? I need a car. My car's rusting out. Uh, I keep telling them, hey, you're, you're a year away from being able to buy a car at a reasonable price. Uh, 
I mean, you might even be a year and a half away. So uh, the, the, the new cars and the used cars are, are terribly expensive right now. So that's because of the the, the uh, computer chip shortage. And, uh, so uh, to me, it, it, you know, changes, people are changing their patterns in terms of spending. Uh, in February, the... Uh, uh, the, the, uh... Oh, okay. Hold on just a second. We're going to go to our callers. Hello, John. This is Jim McAlee. Can I help you? Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim. Um, how, I how see the tre- I, I see that the uh, treasuries are selling uh, I-bonds for uh, 7% through the end of April. Uh, what do you think of these I-bonds? They're good. They're good. You know. Okay. I, yeah. I would, How does uh, the interest rate change, though? Well, I think the important thing is that uh, uh, what you have to do is talk to. Uh, they're generally issued by the government. Have you Have you taken a look at the uh, uh, the details? I'm not. I'm not really up on the details right now of what these uh, the I bonds are, but the I bonds are good in the sense that uh, right now you it's very difficult to make any money at all in bonds, uh, strictly because, uh, and that's, that's going to be true for the next uh, uh, probably two or three years, in the sense that uh, uh, the interest rates are going to go up and the bond prices are going to go down. And... Uh, if you've got bond funds, you're going, the interest is going to be positive, but you're, uh, the very fact that your bond prices are going down is going to be a negative. So it's very difficult. Now, to, to take a look in the, the uh, I-bond, uh, uh, to me, the place to do that would be on the government website. Have you done that already, John? No, I... Uh... I just saw it on a uh, a newsletter that I got that uh, there, December was a really hot month for people buying the I bonds, and that uh, mm-hmm. the only caution that the individual had who wrote the newsletter was that somehow the interest rate reset, uh, and it's related to uh, inflation. So uh, oh, yeah, I don't think it. I don't know how, what that means. You know. Yeah. Those are those are basically inflation protected uh, uh, bonds. Uh, to me, uh, I would investigate it. I would, if you're interested in it, the 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 best approach is to go on the government website. I can't give you the exact website to go to, but uh, I'm sure the government has a website in regard to its bonds. And look up the particularly look up the I bonds and. Uh, uh, just because they, uh, they're, they're one of the good games in town, so to speak. Okay? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for calling, John. I appreciate the call. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we were talking before about uh, uh, the personal income, and uh, basically what we're seeing is that the uh, the consumer is changing his uh, patterns uh, from buying goods to buying uh, services. 
and such as travel and restaurants and, and things of this nature. So uh, even then, uh, the the uh, I think the 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 uh, the personal income, the personal outlay are being distorted by uh, the price increases. When you're seeing inflation at 7.9%, then uh, you really have to say uh, the uh, it, it changes people's uh, look at how they uh, their buying operations. For instance, if you take a look at uh, February's consumer price index, we're seeing prices increase eight tenths of one percent in a month. And we're seeing the year over year, a 12 month increase in the uh, consumer price index going up 7.9%. If you take a look at this latest uh, one that the Federal Reserve looks at, which is the produce, the uh, uh, personal income that the, uh, comes out of the personal income and outlays report, that's the personal consumption expenditure. Uh, that increased from uh, 6.1% last month to 6.4% in uh, February. So uh, when I say last month, I meant January. In January, the personal consumption expenditure was 6.1% over a 12-month period. And now in February, it leaked up to 6.4%. It will probably go higher before it begins to go lower. Uh that includes both food and fuel. If you take food and fuel out of that, uh, that uh, number, uh, personal consumption expenditure over the last 12 months, goes down to 5.4%. And that's the one that the Federal Reserve is going to track in determining whether it's uh, conquering inflation. So I think once that gets down to, quote, 2%, they'll have achieved their goal. Uh, again, from the bond people, if they can get it down to 3%, uh, everyone will be happy. So uh, you, you, uh, basically, the, uh, the Federal Reserve is uh, talking about um, selling bonds. And uh, what that is going to do is basically going to uh, increase the yields on uh, the bonds. In other words, particularly the higher maturities. The uh, government, the Federal Reserve, has control over the overnight rate, and that's presently at uh, one quarter to one half a percent. And they're, they're going to increase that so that the total for this year is two percent. So increase it in increments of probably one quarter. To one half of a percent every time they meet every six weeks. But uh, um, you're seeing the, the uh, longer term bond, they don't have control over the longer term bond other than through their bond buying operation or their bond selling operation. When they start selling bonds in, in June or July, uh, they can concentrate on different uh, uh, numbers in terms of the bond values. For instance, like, uh, you know, at the start of the year, uh, the two-year Treasury was 
uh, had a yield of 0.73%, and today they have a yield of 2.3%. The 10-year at the start of the year was 1.52%. Now it's 2.48%. And the 30-year went from 1.9% to 2.6%. Well, when the Federal Reserve begins to sell those bonds, they're going to uh, uh, increase the supply of bonds for sale, and uh, basically that is going to drive the bond prices down. And when the bond price goes down, what you're going to see is that the yield will go up. In other words, it's as simple as uh, the numerator uh, stays constant and the denominator is uh, uh, basically going down. So the yield for those particular bonds is going to go up, and it's going to partially depend upon uh, how the, um, the Federal Reserve uh, plans to sell its bonds. It has a nine point, and it's close to $9 trillion worth of bonds in its portfolio. And once it starts to emphasize, well, are you going to sell 10-year, 20-year, 30-year? And they'll keep track of how the yields are, are performing uh, just due to the economy, but they'll also have an input into those yields in terms of their bond selling operations. They can drive the price of the bonds in different maturities down and hence increase the, the yield for those maturities. So they can kind of, uh, they have full control over the overnight rate, the federal funds rate, but they can also uh, uh, contour the longer maturity rates uh, to fit their plans too. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. I used to love to hold you when the lights were down low, but it's all over now. You used to whisper little things to set me aglow. Okay. Welcome back to Get Rich Love. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh Another good sign with regard to the economy is the uh, employment situation. Basically, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, for March, uh, the payroll growth, uh, uh, in, uh, the payroll increased by 431,000 jobs, and uh, over the uh, uh, that's for March, and uh, uh, that that growth in the payrolls was expected, and it's consistent with a strong economy. And uh, uh, all of last year, the average growth was around uh, uh, 555,000 per month. And I think for the first quarter of this year, it's around 560,000, 562,000 per month. So uh, even with the, the uh, employment uh, is down, uh, we still have uh, uh, unemployment uh, is, is down to 1.6 million. And... Uh, 
the uh, of one one percent of the uh, pandemic levels. So the jobs are there, the workers are in short supply. A major part of the answer is the uh, the COVID has disappeared, and uh, uh, the department. Uh, indicated that the unemployment rate fell two-tenths of a percent and is now down to 3.6% in March. And the uh, uh, number of uh, unemployed people reduced uh, 318,000. What you're seeing is that pre-COVID, the unemployment rate was 3.5%. Now it's 3.6%. And the unemployed number of people on unemployment being short-term, long-term, whatever the employment, unemployment is due to, stood at 5.7 million, and right now it's at 6 million. So we're getting back to normal again. And uh, uh, employers are trying to hold on to the workers that they have. Uh, and uh, you're seeing hourly uh, pay increases of approximately 5.6% over the last 12 months. And, uh, for instance, in March, uh, the average uh, uh, pay increase was $0.13 an hour uh, to an average pay level of $31.73 per hour. So uh, wherever you look, the the federal government, uh, before we get into the federal government, let's look at the the private sector, what you're seeing is that the uh, the private sector added 426,000 jobs in March uh, to a workforce of 128 million, 129 million workers in uh, March. And uh, a year ago, that workforce stood at 121 million. So a lot of people have gotten jobs and gone back to work. Uh, and if you take a look at the government, uh, the government, uh, uh, the federal government, uh, reduced the uh, their payroll by 1,000 jobs out of a workforce of 2.9 million. The state government uh, reduced their workforce by 14,000 out of a workforce of 5.2 million, and the local government added 20,000 new jobs. Uh, add to a workforce of 14.1 million. And then you take a look at manufacturing. Manufacturing uh, in March added uh, 38,000 jobs, construction uh, 19,000, and uh, mining uh, 3,000. And when you take a look at the uh, private uh, service sector, uh, which includes retail, wholesale trade, transportation, financial activities, professional and business services, health and things of that nature, leisure and hospitality, they added 366,000 jobs out of a workforce of close to 108 million people. If you take a look at who got the jobs or where the jobs are, uh, employment and leisure and hospitality uh, showed a gain of 112,000 jobs in March and uh, 61,000 of those numbers were in drinking places and food services and accommodations was 25,000. So if you take a look at that particular sector, leisure and hospitality, they're still down uh, one one and a half million uh, from uh, pre-COVID times. If you 
take a look at professional business services, uh, they added 102,000 jobs in March. And uh, the accounting and uh, bookkeeping added 18,000, management and technical consultant, 15,000, uh, computer systems design, 12,000, scientific research, 5,000. So basically, employment and professional business services is up 723,000 jobs higher than pre-COVID. And if you take a look at the retail trade, retail trade was up 49,000 in March, and uh, the retail trade uh, employment is basically up 270,000 beyond its uh, pre-COVID levels. Manufacturing added 38,000 jobs, and uh, of the 38,011 were in transportation equipment, and uh, then 4,000 were in electrical equipment and appliances. And the manufacturing is still down 128,000 from its pre-COVID levels. Uh, construction uh, added 19,000 jobs, and it's about equal to what it was before the COVID. And uh, financial services added 16,000 jobs. Most of those were in real estate and uh, uh, the financial activities is about 41,000 jobs above where they were pre-COVID. The healthcare uh, added 8,000 jobs and they're about uh, close to 300,000 less than uh, pre-COVID times. Uh, So basically what you're seeing is that uh, the growth of 431,000 jobs uh, indicates that the the labor market is getting tighter and tighter and that unemployment rate of 3.6% is moving in the right direction pretty rapidly. A few more months and and, uh, we're going to be at 3.5% and basically uh, we'll have all the people that were let go and then some employed in the uh, new economy. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jilly loves you more than you will know. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. Uh, one of the things we look at is uh, look at the manufacturing and the, and the service industries. And the government, when, they, when it comes time to report those, the government has a lot of numbers that they have to put together, and uh, they generally put it together a little later, uh, a month or two later than, uh, before they report it. So what you see, if you really want the latest data, uh, you go to uh, Standard & Poor uh, Global, and they have uh, Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. Those are qualitative uh, indicators of how the service industries are doing. So if you take a look at their comments regarding manufacturing from Chris Williams, who is their chief business 
economists at Standard & Poor's Global, uh, U.S. manufacturing growth accelerated in March as strong demand and improving process, uh, prospects countered the headwinds of soaring cost pressure and the Russian-Ukrainian war. Order book growth has picked up as consumers look to the future and look to further reopening their domestic and global uh, economies and signs that the disruptions uh, from the pandemic continue to fade. Uh, While companies continue to report widespread production constraints due to supply chain bottlenecks, the incidence of such delays is now lower than at any time since uh, January of 2021. Job job growth has also uh, improved as fewer companies uh, uh, reported uh, labor shortages. Uh, Similarly, although price pressures remained elevated, uh, with surging energy costs pushing firms' costs higher, and uh, at an increased rate in March, rates of inflation of both input costs and uh, uh, average selling prices have fallen from the uh, records high seen late last year. I hint that consumer price inflation may uh, likewise soon peak. This is especially encouraging to see business optimism about the uh, year ahead improving further despite the new uncertainties in terms of sanctions and geopolitical risk caused by Ukraine invasion. So uh, basically, the manufacturing industry is picking up speed. Uh, they they generally consider a number like uh, 50 to be neutral. Anything about 50 is considered to be expansion. And right now, the Purchasing Managers Index from the uh, S&P Global stands at 58.5, 58.8 in March from uh, uh, 57.3 in February. So what you're seeing is that uh, the the, uh, manufacturing is doing fine. The jobs are out there. Uh, The inflation will probably increase for a little bit more uh, until uh, these increase in interest rates begin to have its uh, impact. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about the inverse yield curves in terms of the the three-month yield on the bonds versus the uh, 10-year. But uh, to me, it's just uh, that, that particular part of it is overblown. And the Federal Reserve is going to increase the short term, and it is going to have a hand in, in shaping the longer-term bond yields also. So the yields are going to go up, and uh, uh, hopefully they'll be able to get, I think they're basically assured of getting this uh, inflation under control. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. I smiled when I saw the first flower of spring a week ago. A uh, lone daffodil had blossomed and was looking around on a cool March morning. 
I wasn't sure what made it finally decide to end its long winter's sleep. Perhaps it had noticed that the ground around it was no longer frozen. Perhaps it felt the warmth of the sunshine finally pushing the temperatures into the 60s. Perhaps it had heard the songs of the birds singing that spring had arrived and it was time for the world to awaken again. Perhaps the roots of the tree had whispered to it that it was now safe to come out and that their own limbs were already budding. Whatever the reason, it was a joy to see the little guy soaking up the light and calling out to its fellow flowers to join in the celebration of life once again. I know that soon it will be joined by other daffodils and tulips and even the dandelions. I know that soon the air will be full of butterflies dancing above them all. I know that soon the meadows will be full of growing grass and the forest will be awash with bright green leaves. I know that soon my home will once again be alive with the glory of God's creation, and we too are part of that creation. But unlike the flowers in the field, we have the ability to bloom even when the world around us is cold, dark, and harsh. We have the ability to share our beauty in the face of ugliness, our joy in the face of fear, and our love in the face of hate. We have the ability to make every day feel like the first day of spring. And may you bloom well today and always, and may you shine your light, and may you share your love. May you be truly alive in the glory of God's creation, and may you forever make your Heavenly Father smile. Until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.